Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Defiant Spirit. I want to jump into a topic that I don't talk enough about, but I hear more and more men who I'm working with somewhere in their late 30s to their early 50s understand that in the, in the development of a man, we need to go to the next level. A teacher of mine, Alison Armstrong, talks about four, I don't know, chapters or timeframes of male development, and it is page, knight, prince, and king. Page being like, you know, your childhood, knighthood being somewhere around puberty to your late 20s, prince moving into a, you know, marriage, moving into raising kids, solidifying a profession, a lot less insecurity and intensity of that knight period, but you're not yet a king. And I want to focus on this last stage of development, because this is where all of my clients are. I, I work with men and women, but all of my male clients are somewhere either in princedom, moving into kingship, or in kingship, but not either having the language for it or knowing that that's where the stage they're in. And once we start talking about what it means to be a king, I'm telling you, every single time, maybe it's self-select because the guys that come to me are really looking for more in their life. So maybe I don't get the ones who want to remain knights or princes. And those have their time and place. I mean, it's fun being a knight and it's it's um, energetic being a prince. But there's something profound about making this move into being a king. And we live in a world where, A, we don't have kings because we're disconnected. We don't live in tribes. We don't live in small family units anymore. We don't have the father figure in our life or the father that either has done this work or can teach us how to be a king because maybe they haven't embraced it just because by the way you're biologically physiologically there you're 50 years old doesn't mean you're a king there's a intentionality behind being a king that that you don't have to have the intention to be a knight you just end up as a knight because of all that testosterone taking you out into the world doing knight type things Prince, I think in many ways you don't have fully a choice. You have some, you have more choice than knight. But if you end up getting married, if you end up taking on a profession, if you end up having kids, in many ways it's a demand and not so much a choice. This last one, though, I think is by far the most um, filled with a choice. And you have to make a choice to be a king. I don't think you can be a king without becoming conscious and making this choice. And I think that's a lot of the suffering that I see in marriages or in family units or in parenting or in uh, finding meaning in life of men who haven't been taught, haven't been shown, haven't even been, been, been aware that there's a choice to make and the choice is becoming a king. Great literature, great talks on being a page, a knight and a prince. I just wanna focus only on being a king, really speaking to my tribe, my guys. 
because I see the same look on in, in their face, in their eyes, every single time I bring it up for the first time. It's like, yeah, that's it. That's where I'm at in my life. I'm, I'm 40, I'm 45, I'm certainly, I'm in my 50s, and I know I'm being called for something more. And it's not just more of the same. It's not just making more money. It's not just climbing higher on my professional ladder. It's not just, um, you know, doing an outward form. It's a quality of experience. So maybe it's doing my profession differently. It's being different in my marriage. It's being different in my parenting. It's just being different in my life. That's what it means to move into kingship. So what, what, what is this thing, being a king? Again, I see it in the eyes of men when I describe it, but that's not enough, especially if you're not a man and you want to understand better how to relate to your husband or how to help support him in being a king, or your son, or your brother, or your dad, or your friend. Because we need the support of people around us if a man is going to have to be a king. However, it's one of the defining characteristics of a king, is that even if you don't get it, this is the first time in your life where it doesn't matter. Because by definition, being a king means you make that choice regardless if you have the support of your wife or your children or your colleagues or your boss. That's partially what it means to be a king. It means you no longer are dependent upon the people outside of you for validation. It does not mean you walk away from them or you divorce them or you leave them behind. By definition, to be a king means you stay put. You stand still. You stop running and looking for it, whatever it is, out in the world. Um, guys who are stuck in knighthood or prince go try and change their jobs to find this thing called kingship. They try and change their spouse or their circumstances. It doesn't mean that there isn't a place for divorce. There is. It doesn't mean there isn't a place for changing professions or retiring. There is. But a king starts where he stands. He doesn't go looking for it out in the world. That, again, is a knight and a prince. It's out there somewhere. A king understands that whatever he finds, he finds by standing, making his stand, as Viktor Frankl talks about, making his stand where he is, in the marriage he finds himself, in the set of responsibilities that are upon him, in what is being demanded of him by his parents or his children or his circumstances and not running from those duties. Again, it doesn't mean there's not a time and a place to move on, but it's a moving, um, it's a moving forward. It's not a running away. And so you start where you stand and you stand in your responsibilities, in your duties, and you find the meaning and the purpose in each one of those things. So being a king, it's interesting too, because if you think about late 30s, mid 50s, somewhere in there, you, you're a sandwich generation still. You're, you still have parents, but your parents, and especially the king, if you had one, which not all of us do, you're, they, they are either still alive, and if they're alive, they're, you know, they're aging. They're in that point, at that point where they're leaning on you. 
as a parental figure stepping in with more authority to help them make decisions. So there's this handing of a baton period. And then you still have the younger generation that is still dependent on you in a thousand different ways. And so you're caught in between these two generations. I think that's part of what it means to be a king. No longer with the person in front of you to make the decisions or with a parent there still to assume those roles. That's also part of why it, you become a king at this point or you can become a king because batter up, right? You move into your 50s, into your 60s for sure. And there's no more anybody in between you and the Grim Reaper. And so you can start to feel your mortality in a way you couldn't when your parent is still alive. Um, there are certain Enneagram types that I have a hard time working with until their dad dies. And particularly Enneagram 7, sometimes Enneagram 3, the enthusiast and the achiever, especially the 7. I have a hard time working with men prior to the age of 40 and prior to their dads dying, and especially around Enneagram 7s, because there's this feeling of almost like a Peter Pan youthfulness, like they're never going to get old, they're never going to die. And when your dad, your parents in general, but your dad in particular, um, dies, there's a mortality that's opened up in a man that makes it, frankly, much easier for me to connect with because they're more real and they're more ready to do this work. So being a king means there's really no more last line of defense. You're it, even if your parent is alive. You're the source of authority and strength in your family's life. It means you're called upon to step into that authority and that power. It doesn't mean you write the checks and you, you know, dictate by, you know, fiat. It, that's not what being a true king means. Maybe that's what it means in medieval, you know, um, Game of Thrones. But I'm not talking about that level of kingship. I'm talking about the look in the man's eyes when I talk to him about bearing the burden of his family to carry it, not silently, not without sharing it. I'm not talking about a 1950s sort of don't share your feelings. No, absolutely not. I'm talking about bearing the burden of responsibility as an act of service to your family, to your friends, taking on more, taking on more emotionally. So it's the princedom is all about taking on more financially and doing, and that's a different type of a taking on. I'm talking about taking upon hard conversations with aging parents about dying. And it's, no, it's not comfortable. But mom or dad hasn't prepared for the truth. And the truth is, is they don't have that much more time here on planet Earth. And they haven't yet solidified their end of life directives, medical directives, what's going to happen funeral-wise or financially. And it's, it's, it's incumbent upon me. It's incumbent upon men and women. I'm just telling you from counseling men, so many of them have shirked their duty in this way. And they've, they've been silent in their families. They haven't spoken the truth of, we need to face this. And it's not comfortable. And somebody's got to take it on. And I, as a king, will have the hard conversations. Or I was talking with a man who really has taken on the kingdom by bringing together his aging father with his aging father's brother, his uncle, who hadn't spoken in decades. And basically him laying down the law that this ends now. This is 
caused a rift of generations in this family. And I don't know what you were fighting about. All I know is I, as the new, newly elected king, am putting an end to these family rifts that go back generations over what? We don't know, machismo or prince-like stuff, but that's not a king. And a king says, enough is enough, and we're repairing this family's broken heart. A king takes responsibility for things that aren't his, um, not in a way that oversteps bounds, but in a way that commands respect and authority, that there is a rule of, of loving law here, that we have expectations of right and wrong, of goodness and responsibility and duty and honor, bringing that back to the conversation. Every man I know perks up around that and wants to, to help restore that in some ways because we weren't given that. Again, doesn't mean you squash the people around you, the voices around you. On the contrary, it means you create a safe and secure place for these conversations to happen again. How many of us were raised in homes without a king where it didn't feel safe and secure? I didn't know the rules and the rhythms and how it was supposed to be. I certainly didn't. My father started going down a, a hole when he was in his late 40s, into his 50s, and I felt completely uncertain of what's expected of me and what's to come next. I watched a family struggle without that security of a strong male, masculine, king-like figure at the center, making the rest of us feel strong and secure. I longed for that and didn't have it. And so I've committed in my life to being a king and presenting that to my children. Again, it doesn't mean I am invulnerable. In fact, being a king means I can share with them, with them within reason my vulnerabilities, but not in a way that burdens them, not in a way that makes them feel like they're insecure going through knighthood and princedom, and now they got this would-be king that also is insecure. No, I share it in a way that makes them understand that I'm not perfect or impervious to struggle or pain and that I'm going through it but not so much that it becomes their burden because their burden shouldn't be to take care of me. Not at this juncture, not when I could be and should be a king. Being a king means open to changing rules and rhythms. So for instance, Ariella, my wife and I, now that I've really moved into king, I'm not threatened by her unbelievable growth trajectory professionally. I think I was back when I was a prince, back when I was trying to prove myself, back when she signed up to be a princess. And she took on more of the role of homemaker, nurturer, and I took on the role of provider. And we had a very stereotypical kind of set of roles and expectations. I think some of that is, is not kingly. I know that since I've stepped into my kingship, I am much more confident when she makes more than I do, when she is in more of demand. You know, she's the one who's called by synagogues these days to come speak, to do high holiday services because she still has a hand in Jewish spirituality. I've left that all behind and that's not my calling anymore. And there was a time when I would have felt threatened by that. But as a king, I make more room, not less room for the people around me because a king draws his power and his strength, not from his circumstances. And so even if I'm in less demand, 
than I was in that print stage, even if I make less than I did in that print stage, it doesn't matter anymore because I find my worth and my strength from a greater source from within or above. And that makes it more, not less inclusive for my, my wife, the people in my lives to step into their power, into their strength. And that's what partially what it means to be a king. So let's just get rid of all this stupidity around toxic masculinity and toxic patriarchy. You can't have toxic masculinity. It's just not masculinity, right? That's, that's not true authentic masculinity. Authentic masculinity can't be toxic. Authentic kingship can't be um, oppressive. That's just something else. That's tyranny. That's not patriarchy. That's not uh, kingship, right? Masculinity by definition, true masculinity can never encroach upon your rights and upon your boundaries. Otherwise, it's again, it's just tyranny. It's oppression. It's something else that we're calling masculinity. But that's not what this is about. I'm so sick and tired of men walking around feeling ashamed of masculinity. No, let's reclaim a strong, authentic masculinity, not this toxic version, which is not toxic masculinity, it's machismo and it's insecurity and it's abuse and it's all these other things, but that's not masculinity. Just like authentic femininity isn't toxic, right? You can't have toxic femininity. That's just not femininity. And lastly, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole, we have masculine and feminine within us. And so it isn't either or, you have one or the other. However, by and large, men have more masculinity, women have more femininity. Generalizations, yes, but we have to have generalizations to have meaningful dialogue. And so the men that I guide and lead, it's about reclaiming true masculinity and it's about stepping into authentic kingship, which is about inclusivity and empowerment and um helping the people around you become more, not less, and drawing our power from things beyond our profession, or our spouse, or our children, or our roles, or our definitions, or our duties, or our, our, our physicality, or anything outside of ourselves, because all of those things, by definition, are outside of us. And we lose all of those things in given time. We lose our physical prowess, our testosterone drops, which is partially why we can become kings, because finally we can think clearly and finally we can um, feel more fully that I just couldn't feel when I was an Enneagram 8 challenger coursing with testosterone and piss and vinegar and anger. And as that drops, if you want to move into true kingship, man, this is the ride of your life. Because if I don't care as much about my physicality, I still take care of my body. I still give it its proper attention and respect. I still appreciate it for the vehicle to allow me to deliver my message and my love and my essence to the world. However, it's not who I am. It's my flesh suit. It's a vehicle. It's a part of me, but it's not the true me, not the authentic me, not the me of the king. That piece is timeless values that I've had since I was five, 
right? Back, far back as I can remember, my core values have not changed. Now, I changed, my flesh suit changed, my, my, my circumstances changed, I was a knight, I was a prince, I gave up on some of those values for a period of time. Being a king means coming back to those core values as my anchor and my body doesn't get to have a veto anymore. Being a king means coming back to those core values and the expectations of the people around me. They don't get to veto what I believe and feel and pursue. That comes back to my choosing, my power. And nobody, not even my wife, gets to decide what I value and I believe. And that's what it means to be a king. And that's what my wife needs for me. And that's what my family and my friends need for me is for me to have my own moral compass, to be able to stand my ground and to weather the storms, not being pulled off that center. Again, it doesn't mean I'm, I need to be perfect. It doesn't mean I'm invulnerable. It doesn't mean that it's this, um, you know, tough it out kind of a false masculinity. It means that I am rooted and I am anchored in something bigger than my circumstances. Because again, if you make the shift into the afternoon of life as a king, focused on king-like conversations, then it becomes the most powerful time in your life. I literally just had this conversation with a friend. Most of us are taught that we peak in their 20s and 30s, maybe 40s, and then it's a sort of a downhill progression, and the best you can do is kind of keep it together, accumulate more money, right? Just make sure, you know, shore up your, your weaknesses, your defenses. But if it's a physical life, then it's a physical downhill descent. Garbage, at least for a king, it's the opposite. Because now that my body is starting to regulate and sort of the testosterone drop and I can think clearly, I'm building up my, my moral compass, my values, returning to those and living it um, not being pulled off of my center for anyone or anything. Now I grow into my power. As I get older, I grow more powerful. And I have seen kings and patriarchs at 80, at 90 years old, leaving this world with ultimate power and certainty and security. And what a gift to pass on to the next generation, to those who follow in our footsteps, right? That we can grow in authentic, true power, not false power, not false masculinity, not false kingship, but true authentic power that when we die, like Viktor Frankl says, we have the power until our dying breath to choose our response, to not have to live in reaction, but to be able to decide how we want to live and yes, how we want to die. And so this is, or these are some of the foundational elements of when I see a a man's eyes open up when I talk about stepping into his kingship, taking on true authority to become genuinely powerful. Again, not a false sense of power that comes with all the titles and the accolades and the and the, the things the money can buy and that kind of a thing early in life or the physical stuff tied to our bodies. No, I know that look when they look at me and they, they're conveying, I knew it. I had a sense that I was onto it. It's why they are in conversation with me. It's why they're studying the Enneagram. It's why they've returned or discovered Frankel, man's search for meaning. It's why they're looking for deeper meaning and greater purpose and to cultivate true resilience. Because every person knows, 
And every man that I guide knows that they are here for something more than all of those circumstances, as wonderful as they might be. Their partner and their children and their profession and relationships all are center stage. But at the end of the day, to be a king means we return back to our source as our definitive guide, our moral compass, our core values, our source, call it God, call it universe, call it Bob, it doesn't matter what you call it. All that matters is that you listen to it, that you return to it, that you honor it, and that you stand tall in it. Because when you do, and you put yourself back at the center of your life, and your spouse's life, and your children's life, and your family's life, and your friend's life, and your community's life, you are giving them the greatest gift to anchor themselves to an immovable object called the king. And that is why we're here. And that is what it means to be a man. And that is what it, me what it means to go to that next and most important chapter, gentlemen, in your life. So if you're struggling as a prince looking to move into kingship, if you're a king in that space but not knowing exactly what that means, if you're living as a king and you need support, because all kings need a, a circle of, of elders to help guide them. We all do. I have mine. Um, I would love to offer that to you, to provide that for you, to be in conversation with you, at least to get you to the next step of the journey. This is my mission in life, to help men take on what it means to truly, finally, and fully be the king. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.